But give anyway. us a little sparkling water and we're ready to go. So we need, well, I'm still on my coffee. So Oh, you're drinking your coffee today? Mm, yeah. Do you drink coffee every day? I do. Yeah. yeah. I generally do as well. Um, what do you, uh, how do you have your coffee? I usually take it through an IV. <laughs> <laughs> so you inject but, it. Yeah. Sometimes as an enema, you know, if mm -hmm. I am in a rush. So you're trying to rid your body of toxins. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. By flushing that, it out. That's what they toxins. say. <laughs> they, and by yeah. they, I mean uh -huh. people the like you and I without medical degrees. Yeah. Say that coffee enemas are supposed to uh, work for a lot of health issues. Oh, I just do it because then I can eat breakfast at the same time. <laughs> known as the accelerative thrust podcast and my name is dan and my official name is eric those are our government names yeah i was government issued that us. name do you think aliens have zoom cloud meetings in the clouds i well i don't think there are clouds in space right well yeah but when they're invading earth Oh, yeah. they just hang out up in our atmosphere yeah. and they hang meetings. up, they hang out in the atmosphere yeah. and they talk to each other like UFO to UFO. <laughs> like, you know, because I'm sure that they probably have internet in space and I'm sure it's way well, I mean, beyond even yeah. wireless. All the clouds are the internet, right? Yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you know, well, I, I think it'd be hilarious if the alien technology still hasn't gotten past dial up yet. So like you go to the UFO and you hear that. I always like the melody to that, the dial-up song. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. You know, crazy. they they might have not even needed the internet. Mm. They might have taken those resources and all the uh, research and work and just come up with a way to be uh, telepathic or mm. connect, you know, just have their brains connect directly to a a master uh resource of puppets yeah master of puppets like a master uh resource of information like mm -hmm. like the web or whatever where pretty much all the info in the world's on there mm -hmm. but they might not even need the the interface like computers and crap they might have they might have taken that time to develop a way to just access it with their mind you know that's true yeah maybe they're telepath yeah. so do you think it's called the space wide web. Yeah, in space. I was just thinking that that's probably what it's called. That's that's yeah. sort of what I thought. Because yeah. it's not the world. Because yeah. the world is here. Right. We are the world wide web. We are the world. We are the children. <laughs> of the of the of the of web. The, of the aliens. Of the aliens, yeah. Hey, oh who God. did that song? Was that a like a bunch of celebrities got together and yeah. made a song? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought you were I, talking about Praying to the Aliens by Gary Newman. <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> no. Well, it goes like this. Uh, 
there's a, a Moog synthesizer and it's going like, <laughs> and Gary goes, I'm praying to the aliens like that. And that's, um, Oh, that's okay. That's yep. Uh, like. yep. <laughs> I, I remember that exactly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> But you know, wow, that's I can't kind of remember the description of every Gary Newman song. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I was just gonna say that's every single Gary Newman song, especially the Two Boy Army songs. Yeah, on that specific record are. Yeah. Uh, okay, I do remember that song. Yes, I I can't believe I forgot that. I because I I do love both of those records. Yeah. Um, I love replicas. Like it's just such a perfect like new wave it is really something synth record it is it's a really wild record. and according to spotify it came out in 2008 so you know <laughs> i love that pretty modern too <laughs> it is yeah i can't believe that was released only 12 years ago i know right it feels like a lifetime ago <laughs> what if it was released earlier than that that would be crazy oh god damn um, spotify <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm so mad about it. <laughs> they really make they they really oh. screw that up for people sometimes. Yeah, I'm never trusting it again in my life, ever. Right? Yeah, like there's no way Rain and Blood came out in 1986. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, speaking of thrash metal and earlier, I mentioned the Master of Puppets. Um. Mm -hmm. Metallica just cannot keep away from the news. Did you know this? Oh, no, I guess not. Okay. Well, did you hear about the uh, some Stranger Fans things, I guess, are trying to cancel Metallica now, supposedly, or quote-unquote cancel? Jeez, what for? Just for kind of sucking? <laughs> nah, that, that happened a long time ago. That, that ship <laughs> sailed and sunk a long time ago uh you know i mean all they had to do was release sane anger for that to happen yeah so what happened what would okay. metallica do so i guess that there's um this and i don't know what her account is or what her name is and mm -hmm. she did a tiktok and i guess she does a tiktok where she basically just cancels bands and celebrities like that's huh. like what all of her videos are about and metallica for some reason is the one that's getting all the attention uh because of the stranger things connection i assume mm -hmm. um and she just goes into detail about past behaviors of james hetfield yeah. and lars ulrich's mostly specifically doing some uh racist stuff like really? racist jokes Oh. You know, and that doesn't make it any better, but it like, um, well, did you just say Eddie Vedder too? Yeah, <laughs> Eddie Vedder, <laughs> I knew he was a racist, yeah, oh, definitely. Um, just like there's like, uh, <laughs> libel, <laughs> why, yeah, <laughs> sorry, Eddie, sorry, Eddie. I think we could just move on at this point. No, let's talk let about Metallica being racist, <laughs> okay? So, TikTok, I was gonna say let TikTok handle it, but. We're for the people who we're for the non TikTok crowd, the, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, the boomer sure. crowd, I guess. Yeah. Um, so boomer I guess that there's some, uh, and you can find this video, I think, probably linked to all the articles mm. if you look it up. Okay. Um, in the video, she talks, she talks about like this uh video, uh, and I think it's from like one of the old like live videos like the binge and purge collection or something mm -hmm. where you see like james hatfield Yo! taking like um 
I don't know. It looked like maybe like Fig Newtons or something and okay. making his eyes look Asian and speaking oh. in an Asian voice. Then you have Kirk, wow. Kirk Hammett, mm-hmm. like shaking his head into the camera in horror. And wow. I actually, I found out about this because I watched the punk rock MBA or Finn McKinty, um, mm-hmm. his video on it that okay. he released a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out that uh, Kirk Hammett probably was a little offended because Kirk Hammett himself mm-hmm. is Asian. I'm not sure exactly what nationality, but anyway. Uh, and then there's also like some other things. There's like, there's a photo of Kirk, uh, uh, James wow. and Lars giving like, doing like the Hitler salute. Oh, like a Sieg Heil? Yeah, Sieg Heil. And uh, I guess it you, you look at like James and he's kind of doing, he puts his finger like under his nose, like he's trying to give a Hitler stash. Mm. And then um, there's also a photo of James oh. with Kerry King. And Kerry King is wearing a shirt that says, um, you have your ex and I'll have mine. And then it's like a Confederate flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course that was probably in response to the Malcolm X movie right. at the time. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, uh, all there's, there's, oh yeah. And then there's also, um, a video of Jason Newstead giving the, uh, hell uh, mm-hmm. on stage, or at least it looks like that. And, but he does like, somebody said that it looked like he was maybe just pointing to somebody, but then he was also doing that sort of like walk that they, you know, that you always saw them do. Like, goose you know, stepping, goose stepping. There yeah. you go. So anyway, yeah, there's just some really like unremarkable things about Metallica's character that she does point out. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty interesting. So there's a bunch of a uh, bunch of stuff about which, you know, to be honest with you, though, uh, mm-hmm. I it doesn't really surprise me 100 uh, percent. James and Lars in particular never seemed like. Yeah, really great guys. Neither did Carrie King, to be honest. Well, yeah, they can't be blamed for Carrie King. I mean that that's just. I'm sorry. Maybe your yeah. Maybe your friend wears a shirt that's offensive and questionable, but that's not you. You know sure. what I mean? Like, sure, exactly. Maybe you should say to your friend, like, I don't think that's cool or whatever. But right, <laughs> you know, and you you know when you mentioned the finger under the nose thing. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a comedy bit, but I can't remember exactly which oh, one it is. Okay, so maybe Bill doesn't make it okay or whatever. I'm just saying, like, you can't always just take a photo or uh, something and just say this is what's happening in this. Picture. Yeah, there's there like, is the Fig Newton thing totally out of line, and the fact that your your bandmate is part Filipino and you're doing that Filipino. Like, that's that, it. That's that's that is not yeah awesome. Oh, well, the uh, other thing, you know, on, the, uh, on the other side, the girl on her video was like, mm-hmm. these are four white men. And then Finn paused the video because he was watching a reaction yeah. video. And he's like, uh, I think you need to do your research a little bit. I just mentioned that Kirk, Kirk Hammett was mm-hmm. uh, half Filipino, but also Robert Trujillo is in the band now. Sure. Right. So now that was true when it was... Dave Mustaine and um, Cliff Burton, you know, they were four white males then, you know, but aside from all of that, though, um, the one thing, and I kind of agree with Finn here that you do have to keep in mind is, and I hate to always refer back to this, but it was 
a different time and they were younger and who knows, maybe they've, I think maybe Metallica has, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't realize this, but Lars Ulrich even sort of like apologized for the Napster bullshit hmm. when they were like suing Napster, you know, mm-hmm. like he, he kind of said like we could have done some more research. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's always a tough one, you know? It's tough because I mean, there is that element of it was a different time or whatever. Uh, and I, uh, I agree with that to an extent, but I also don't think you can rely on it completely. No, you can't. Like, it's... I think you need to change and you need to make amends. Yeah. Like you can't go back and change your actions. You can't do that. It's just impossible. can't do it. Yeah. But you can go forward having learned from it and, and, and let it be known that you understand that that wasn't right. the right thing to do. And honestly, that's the, the end of the story. And like, you know, if someone still were to stand by it and be like, fuck that, I still think that or whatever, like then at that point, maybe say like, this person might not be cool. This person might not be someone you want to support or whatever. You know, right. I just think that if everyone's accountable for every single thing they ever did and can't be, it can never be absolved. Then what, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Then life yeah. is just punishment. Like you said, you can um, acknowledge it though. The problem with like videos like, like that, that I do kind of have with like, like that, that TikTok video, for instance, mm-hmm. is that how is anyone ever going to know if James and Lars have acknowledged these past behaviors. Sure. You know, unless they come out and publicly say it. Right. So in a way it's a good thing because maybe it'll bring attention to James and Lars that, Hey, look, there are people saying that you did some very unflattering things to right. say the least Yeah. when you were younger and Jason Newstead. I, I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised by the Jason Newstead thing. Yeah. Um, that's the only way. And so, but the thing is, is like they could have already done that, but they could have done it in a time where social media, TikTok didn't exist. So it's like it would be difficult. And now they're going to have to come out and do it like publicly for everyone to kind of. Well, yeah. And, I mean, or they don't or they don't it, really have to yeah. at all. You know, it just yeah. it, it kind of, you know, that that brings in a whole nother discussion at of what responsibility does an artist or celebrity have? Sure. Do they do they just say, well, I already came to terms with this and apologize for it years ago. And if that's the case, then they, they shouldn't feel the need to Mm -hmm. respond now. I think that's kind of shitty, honestly, to force someone to acknowledge something that they've already acknowledged. I mean, it's not, it's not really fair. It's like, I don't have to respond just because you said something, but it kind of sucks because, you know, that's how the world sort of works right now. I don't know. It's un, it's unfortunate on all levels. And it's also unfortunate because, you know, to an extent that this was brought up to generate views and things like that. Like exactly. this isn't, this isn't news. I mean, some shit someone said on stage 30 years ago is not news. I don't care no, what anyone not. says. Yeah. You can't convince me of that. No, so yeah. Digging something up to cause controversy is really only for promotion. And, exactly. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think Metallica always makes the right decisions, but I'm not them. And either way they wanted to go with this, I'd be like, I'd be fine with it. 
I don't think mm-hmm. they need to address it. If the, you know, even if the world makes them feel like they do, it's like unfair. Sure. And I never really make my views known. I mean, I do sort of, but sure. Like never direct, you know, like this is how I feel about something. But if I did and someone was frustrated about it, you know, I, I, I guess it's like, I think you should grow and you should change or at least try to, and you should try not to offend people. But if you do, you know, try to make amends. Yeah. But I just feel like, yeah, being in a world where you're forced to constantly um, defend things that you did when you were a completely different person, essentially, that's, that's pretty tough. You know, and, and that's essentially what I meant by it was a different time. Like yeah, it's not right, exactly, but also it is also not only is it about like uh, being a different person. Mm-hmm. I do think that, and and I agree with you that you can't just leave it at it was a different time. But mm-hmm. the one thing to remember, and this is all about context, is that unfortunately, um, things like the Confederate flag mm-hmm. were not considered that offensive in like 1986 or whatever. Well, sure. I mean, unfortunately, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of a reality that I think some people understandably. So younger people who are, Mm -hmm. who have been raised in this generation where I do feel we have made progress when it comes Mm -hmm. to compassion. I do feel that. Um, I feel like we've done that. And also in some cases, devolved from that as well sure like i feel like it kind of goes both ways but i do feel like overall if you look at like the things that are accepted now versus what was accepted in 1986 or even 1999 or even as Mm -hmm. recent as 2012 yeah i do think overall we've made progress and so i i think that's maybe why uh a lot of younger people and like i said Mm -hmm. under understandably so uh, have a hard time accepting it was a different time uh, because yeah. they weren't there. So well, how would they, you I mean, know what I mean? Yeah. I think the thing about it is, is I, it was a different time. A lot of times ends up being an excuse mm-hmm. and a way to say that it was all right at the time. Yeah. Which I don't think is accurate either. So, and, and I do think basically what it is, is we, we as a society and a race, are holding ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah. And that is absolutely. a painful transition for people that don't want to be held to that higher standard. Ab- well, yeah, it's, you know, and, it's, and I got the to middle admit, ages were a lot harder than now. And people had some crazy ass thoughts. Yes. And it was only through the Renaissance and people holding each other to a higher social and intellectual standard that things changed. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's what we do. That's how we progress as an entire human race. You know, like we have to continually try to be better and hold people to that standard. Otherwise, we do de-evolve and we just, you know, like, why would we want to live in a world that was stupider Mm -hmm. and meaner and less accepting? That, That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess I have to say that with the caveat of that doesn't make any sense to me. But at the same time, I don't think it should make sense to anyone. Why would we want a more brutal world? Agreed. 
to me. 100%. I, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Anyway, it's hard to get all serious, but. No, yeah. it's, it. I, I think this is a very important discussion to have, especially with people our age, Eric, because. Yeah, true. The thing is, is I got to admit, I had trouble, you know, accepting a lot of, a lot of things too. Like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've, I grow, I'm a person. Yeah. I'm human. I, I have my faults and I definitely did for a long time. And I'm not proud of this, but I definitely did have the whole attitude of like, well, the millennials are ruining everything, you know, mm-hmm. like for a little bit, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Cause it sure. was new to me. It was a new mm-hmm. thing to me. Yeah. And I've come to realize exactly what I said, that everybody is, you know, at different stages everybody is still learning you know yeah. everybody's a work in progress no matter how there are so many people out there that don't want to believe that right you know and so yeah so that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to i think the tiktok videos are a good thing uh to bring light to some of these situations uh but also i can also see how it's not always uh, uh productive because yeah. like you said it's right. just for a lot of well it's got to be for nothing but views and nothing right. but just it's know, just clout. sensationalism i mean mm-hmm. that's all it comes down to is just like yeah you're you're trying to dig up something on someone you're trying to cause chaos and and separation you know mm-hmm. and that i don't know i don't i don't respect that all that much but right what am I going to do? You know, I don't, Yeah, I don't even go on TikTok, so I don't even know what I'm actually talking about, but I know what you can do, Eric. What can I do? You can keep listening to records and reviewing them. Oh yeah. Cool. What do you say? All right. Sounds like it could be record time. Come on, everybody. It's record time. Am I starting? Yeah. Yeah, because you're gonna talk about shake them bones, aren't you? Yeah. So shake them bones. What if shake uh, them bones? Shake all right. Them bones. Okay. So okay, I guess I'm starting. I'm number one. Uh the record I chose, first of all, a record that um I don't think I would have uh normally picked. This was actually a complete shot in the dark for me. I uh hmm read about it somewhere and thought it just kind of sounded interesting. And also I really like the cover. Mm. So it's from this group called shop assistants and they are a ba- They were a band from Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, they only released one album. Uh, first it was released in 1986 as a self-titled album on blue guitar records. And then it was re-released under the title Will Anything Happen in 1997 on a label called Overground. Then it was re-released on the CD in 2008 on Cherry Red Records. So this record, uh, for whatever reason, over the years, it, uh, I guess it's been kind of held in high regard, considering that there are all these labels that have been wanting to re-release it. Um and I know Cherry Red Records, I'm kind of familiar with that label. And so there was always some stuff that I remember listening to from that label. And so I just thought I would give this a shot. And um, so it looks like throughout the years um, when they existed, uh, there were several lineup changes. Um, and so the version that I am 
reviewing. And I don't know if there's any difference in track listing. I think there is. I think there's a few added songs. Mm-hmm. Is the Will Anything Happen version that was released in 1997, which uh, is the version that's on Spotify. Um, and again, I don't know. There might be some extra stuff on the 2008. In, in any situation, um, what this record is, is just really good jangly indie pop. Uh, well, not just that, but it's that's how I would describe it. Really great songs. It's not really breaking any new ground, I would say. Uh, it might have in like 1986 when it first came out. Uh, but there were a lot of, I feel, peers with this band around the same time that were kind of doing the same sort of stuff. In particular, a group from Seattle called the Fastbacks, hmm. which this record really reminded me of some of their stuff. Sometimes it ventures into almost like a noise pop territory just a little bit. It never really gets completely to that point. Like, I don't know, something like, say, Built to Spill or uh, sometimes Pavement will kind of venture into that kind of stuff. It doesn't get to that point, but I could definitely see how this record was probably a huge inspiration on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. There's also at times kind of a um, country element to it. Um, I sort of felt uh, just kind of the way that the, um, the way that uh, the vocalist sings and it's just very well done. And I think very well written. And I just thought it was a kind of a, just a fun record to listen to. Um, the production is a little tinny, but I mean, that's kind of, Mm-hmm. at the time what it kind of reminds me of production wise is and you might agree or disagree with this eric is like three imaginary boys mm-hmm. by the cure yeah or um another group that i kind of feel this strongly uh you could strongly compare this to is a group called the television personalities mm. the singing is just really good great guitar work really jangly and i really don't have a lot more to say about it, to be honest with you. It's just a record that kind of just randomly like got on my radar uh, that I just decided to check out. And honestly, this was a situation where I judged a book by its cover. I just, for some reason, I really liked that cover. It just, I I just kind of liked the way it looked. It looked to Mm -hmm. me like maybe it was going to be like a punk record, like, and it is kind of punk in in a way, but not completely. But I would say like, if you like, as I mentioned, uh, early Cure, television personalities, the Fastback, but also Pixies a little bit. Like I could definitely see how maybe this group influenced uh, the Pixies, Dinosaur Jr. a little bit. But mm-hmm. again, it doesn't get as noisy. But then also I could see this being a big influence on bands like Belly or like Liz Fair. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they were, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of how I saw the shop assistants. Will anything happen? Um, and if you're into this kind of stuff, if you're into like, you know, indie pop or even a little bit of noise pop, um, I think you could find something that you would definitely like on this record. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, I liked a lot of it. Yeah. Overall real jangly, uh, poppy, uh, modern rock, I guess, is what it would probably have been called at the time. I don't even know if we were at college rock yet. Honestly, this music when I was young was called corn chip music. And you should ask your sister about that, Dan, because I think she may have been a corn chip too. But yeah, in Muscatine, sort of like pre-goth, 
no, maybe including goth, but like goth hippies. That was kind of like the friends that I had. And the big insult was people would call us corn chips. And I'm not a, not really sure why. Um, but anyway, this is corn chip music. <laughs> really? um, yeah, this I've is like perfect that. corn chip music. The world had a corn chip. Real big Velvet Underground uh, vibes on this. Um, and maybe not even like the first uh, and Nico, even though vocally, I think there's a Nico influence sometimes. Um but yeah, more like uh, the self-titled Velvet Underground or Loaded. Uh, maybe the Birds a little bit, too, as an influence. But as far as contemporaries, it's actually, I found it really hard to find anything that was that was happening at the time that was like this. It gets kind of punky at times. Uh, I mean, really punky. It's kind of a severe switch between the sort of dreamy, jangle pop stuff and then the punk stuff i mean it's a i think it's a real distinct change it's kind of like husker do in that sense like when i listen to husker do i'm like i really like the pretty songs but when they do the punk rock i'm not quite as into it and that's sort of how i felt about shop assistants too but um as far as contemporaries uh maybe like you said the cure um, I thought Susie and the Banshees and honestly, the kind of cure Susie mix band, which was called the glove. That sounds quite a bit like this. Uh, the first 10,000 maniacs record, um, young marble giants, teardrop explodes, that kind of stuff might've been happening at the same time, but a lot of that stuff's darker too. It had a darker element to it. This is really not that dark. I mean, not dark at all, really. But yeah, super good. I liked it a lot. Um, the jangly stuff, the punk stuff wasn't. It wasn't really for me. I didn't. I didn't like the punk stuff all that much. But the other stuff was awesome. And I can see that after this was released, uh, there seems to be an endless amount of bands that sound like this that took the entire format. You know, like um, Mazzy Star, Jesus and Mary Chain, Sundays. Throwing Muses, uh, the Cowboy Junkies, like slow jangle pop with lots of tambourine and stuff. Like before this, I don't know much that existed. And after this, I know tons of shit that exists. So in that sense, I think it it had to be. Uh, I don't know if it was actually influential. I didn't know. I don't know if people heard it. But as far as the people that did hear it, I'm sure it had a big impact on them. But yeah, I would definitely listen to this more i probably would skip over the the punkier stuff uh for me that might be someone else's favorite part of this so um but yeah the train from kansas city was easily my favorite song and it it deserves to be up there with anything from that era it was it and a lot of the songs on here do so i ended up really liking it um but yeah the punky stuff wasn't really my my thing but you know that's the time so I do have to ask you one question, Eric. Have you ever heard the Fastbacks? No. Uh-uh. Okay. I haven't. I think that this, the Fastbacks are definitely the most comparable group that I could think of around this time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the television personalities. You ever listen to them? No, I haven't. Ooh, no. their first album. Hmm. That might be a future pick. Uh, cool. I, I think that would totally be uh 
right up your alley. All right. The nice. first television. Per- I could be wrong, but like, um, I think you'd really dig it. Uh, but Sweet. the Fastbacks, um, both of those bands, I, I would say are the closest. Cool. All, All right. of the other things that I mentioned, even mm-hmm. the Cure, because I don't think they really sound like the right. Cure. But yeah. all the other things I mentioned was more kind of like, eh, sort of, you know what I mean? Right. But I yeah. would say the fastbacks, uh, when you hear the fastbacks, um, I think you would be surprised at how close uh, cool. they kind of were. My pick, let me start by saying this had two things against it starting out before I even heard one note. First one is they have 180,000 monthly listeners, which for me is a little bit bigger band than we usually cover on here. And that's, that doesn't matter. I'm glad for people's success. You know, I don't, I'm not one of those elitists. Like I only listen to shitty bands. No one likes, Uh, but no, it, it, I mean, that's just, they're popular. Like we can say that. The second thing was the band name is tropical fuck storm, which is, um, a little overt for me, <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I don't have an issue with it on any level, but it's just kind of like, whoa, that is, uh, that's quite a name, but yeah, uh, I picked it. Um, and I am going to review it right now. Cause that's what we do on the show. Duh. So, uh, tropical fuck storm record is called deep States and it came out in 2021. And I verified that I didn't just go off of Spotify, but yeah, they're an Australian band emphasis on the alien part has members of drone, the drones, high tension and mod con, which I've not listened to those bands, but if anyone has, that might give you an indication of what they sound like. Yeah. This is kind of weird stuff. It's hard to place what is happening but it's really good and it's really cohesive. And I think it has a vision. It's fun. It starts out and it's like um, maybe some sort of like sonic youth worship kind of stuff. It feels like uh, on the first track. And then you get into the second track and kind of all bets are off. All of a sudden it sounds like hyper pop synths over Sleaford mods kind of vocals with heavy hip hop beats and um, strange atmospheric sounds in the background. All of a sudden you realize that you're, you don't, yeah, you're in deep water all of a sudden is kind of how it feels. But yeah, the record in general, uh, it has elements of noise, rock, hip hop, reggae, uh, punk. It's really a hodgepodge of different sounds and styles, but yeah, they make it work. It's really interesting. And like I said, as, it's really cohesive through and through. Um, it kind of re- reminded me um, of that Crack Cloud record we reviewed a while back um, as far as how much stuff is being put into this, how many influences are finding their way into this. But yeah, really great synthesizers, great drum machines. Um, but also it doesn't feel electronic at all this to me this always feels like a band there's always an element of multiple human beings playing together and that's something that even on like things that people make at like solo records even if it's singer songwriter stuff you lose that element of well this feels like a band this feels like a bass player playing with a drummer you know and like you 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 can feel that difference and this definitely to me has that feel of people in a room playing things together it makes it feel more earnest and genuine and just human i guess 
at first, I think it felt a little silly. Like I didn't know exactly what I was hearing yet. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of goofy. I'm kind of excited to see how fun this gets. But honestly, it doesn't get fun. It stays very serious throughout. They're very serious about what they're doing. I'm not saying it's dark, even though near the end of the record, it does sort of gets kind of dark, but it it's not goofy music. It has goofy elements. It has silly sounds sometimes and, and movements that are kind of eccentric and quirky. But at, at its core, I don't think this is at all trying to be light <laughs> on any level. And as it goes on, it it sort of does just move toward this end of expansion and it, things just keep getting bigger and deeper as the record goes on. And it, it it's kind of a cool experience. Yeah, the hyper pop and sort of upbeat elements give way to like sprawling dirges, you know, uh, but it still retains all that eclectic sort of wild elements of it, too. I do think this record moves sort of as a, a piece. It doesn't feel like a collection of songs. It feels like it has an arc to me anyway. I'm just going to list a bunch of things that I sort of heard in it, but they're not by any means, do they not sound specifically like these things? So Sonic Youth, uh, Sleaford Mods, Kate Bush, and a lot of the vocals, but especially the synthesizer sounds, uh, Gorillaz, uh, The Talking Heads, uh, X-Ray Specs. I had probably 15 different bands written down for this, and I'm just going to stop there. But yeah, so very cool uh, very strange ideas and sounds, thoroughly modern. It feels like you're listening to future music now. Um, and it is really deep, uh, but there are moments of sort of close to the surface, almost fun too. So really interesting and really good. And they deserve all the attention that they seem to be getting because this is pretty mind-blowing stuff. So what do you think, Dan? Yes, I agree. It's almost absurdly interesting. I, I mean, I listened to it a couple times and I mm -hmm. still don't think I can necessarily describe what I was hearing. It's literally to me, this is unlike most, if not all things I've ever heard. It's such a hodgepodge on in one sense of a lot of different things I have heard, mm -hmm. but then it's also altogether something that I've never heard, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I want to point out, and I think this makes total sense, is that they actually did an EP with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard mm -hmm. um, called Satanic Slumber Party, <laughs> which I like that name. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because something's going on in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if maybe like the animals, the poisonous animals mm. are mm. like biting them and then they have to make this kind of music. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard doing a uh, collaborative EP with this band just makes total sense because mm -hmm. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard in another sense mm -hmm. is just as experimental and off the wall as this, but also mm -hmm. kind of maintains, like you said, Eric, there's sort of almost like a touch of normalcy to it too. And what I mean by that is it does sound like a, like a band even though mm -hmm. they may throw in electronic elements and things like that. So I listed a bunch of things that this made me think of. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to go ahead and list this and then I'll kind of explain 
some of the things. Experimental, art rock, art punk, slacker punk, ambitious punk. I know some of these are just really mm-hmm. ridiculous. Noise rock, talking heads. Mm-hmm. I agreed with you there, Eric. Psychedelic, kraut rockish, Oneida, pavement, mm-hmm. public image limited, wire, king gizzard and the lizard wizard, fagazi, residence, throbbing gristle, gang of four, craftwork, <laughs> no means no, built to spill, ladytron, Nick Cave. Mm-hmm. If you like all of those bands, yeah. if you like all of those bands and artists that I mentioned, and also I would throw in Kate Bush. I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. I would not expect this band to sound like any of them. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll say that right away. But like with the pavement element, pavement in their music does a lot of dirgy. Like they mm-hmm. kind of do, you know, we'll do this like thing where, you know, Stephen Malcolmus will sing like, just a really great melody and it's it's kind of you know really catchy but then all of a sudden at the end they go into this dirge like you kind of mentioned eric Mm -hmm. there was a lot of that going on like there were times where and that's that's why i i'm glad you said that it sounds like a full band Mm -hmm. because the way they approach it even the electronic stuff it sounds like a guitar bass and drums Mm -hmm. kind of just coming to this big epic conclusion at times Mm -hmm. all of these elements just kind of come together and create something that i'm at a loss and that's great that's awesome Mm -hmm. i would also say that most of king gizzard and the lizard wizard that i've heard you know i would say that that's kind of what they do but in a much different way as Mm -hmm. well and uh not to compare the two because they're both from australia but it's like Mm -hmm. Again, there's something going on in Australia, man. Well, uh, yeah, I think we've reviewed at least two at least two other psych bands from Australia. Yeah. Too. I think it's just like something in the air. I don't know. Something in the air. And I don't know. Maybe it's the heat mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe it's climate change that's causing. And they are called tropical yeah. fuck storm. Right. After all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, if you like everything that I mentioned, uh, but then want something that doesn't sound like everything I mentioned, (laughs) uh, then, but has elements of everything I mentioned, then that's really all I can say about this, man. It's this Mm -hmm. one thing that I really enjoyed is there was a storytelling element. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you picked up on this, Eric, but in my, from my perspective, anyway, there was a huge storytelling element, especially in some of the later songs. I think like when, you know, like the lyrics and the story was serious, but the presentation was kind of just absurd. That's where I would say the Sleaford mods thing mm-hmm. would come in for sure. I think tropical fuckstorm. Um, I think there's there's an honesty to what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, especially. I mean, maybe the other records are different because they they have like three other records. Yeah, I need to check out the other ones for definitely. Sure. Um, but at least on this record, it seems like it's just completely honest. Like it seems mm-hmm. like they just sort of were like, okay, I'm just going to present this this way and didn't really think about it, you know, mm-hmm. like, but then at the same time, there's got to be at least some thought to what they're doing because right. what they're doing is so um, just out of this world. As far as I'm concerned. It was, it was such an interesting listen and I'm not going to lie. It was challenging at times. Sure. Um, yeah. Where it was just like, there, there were a couple of times where I'm like, I really have no idea where this is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that they kind of did that on purpose. And I think that oh, that's, yeah. 
what um, what this band is about. I, I think what this band is ultimately about is challenging the norms mm -hmm. that you have in a song. And um, that's why it comes out as like, it's not completely unlistenable. It's not, mm -mm. It, it's experimental, but it's experimental in a way that is also has at least some tradition, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, this was an excellent, excellent pick, Eric. I'm cool. really glad you picked yeah, this. Yeah, I was trepidatious about it. I mean, be, I know that band names, I don't know. It just, uh, it seemed silly. Mm -hmm. And then when I listened, I was like, oh, this isn't silly. And then you sort of uh, rethink the name a little bit. You know, it's like, well, if they're serious, then what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It <laughs> like actually, if it's not just for fun, then what are, what is this? So it actually, in my opinion, it actually fit the music perfectly. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. Because a tropical, because, okay, like I could imagine a tropical fuck storm being like this almost like controlled, chaotic thing mm -hmm. presented by Mother Nature. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so I think that's kind of how. I would describe this band as the, it's this controlled yeah. chaotic thing. That's in some ways unnatural, but in other ways, completely natural, you know? Right. All right. It's time for the local. This is local. This one's called shake them bones, which we've already sang. Debbie yeah. Gibson. So <laughs> that means that one thing about Debbie Gibson, um, that I really respect a lot. Uh -huh. Did you know that Debbie Gibson wrote all of her music? No, mm -hmm. they didn't. She wrote all of her music and all of her songs. She did not have other songwriters. She wow. is now a um, songwriter for other people, I'm sure. Wow. Also, the other thing about Debbie Gibson is she hasn't aged one bit. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen her lately at all, but I just eh, fairly recently saw her and I'm like, wow, she looks the same as hmm. she did in the 80s. It's probably because she uh, rubs uh, Electric Youth perfume <laughs> yeah, into probably. her skin. <laughs> probably has to do with Electric Youth and maybe coffee enemas. I don't know. Uh, well, geez, I don't know. <laughs> Libel. No. <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so we have to stop talking about Debbie Gibson. Now. Yes, we do. Shake them bones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> into the night. Came out now. 2022 uh shake them bones includes uh joel downs who um started uh land of blood and sunshine with my friend nick and yeah joel's a really cool guy also from lobus is garrett goodman who also runs a wrestling themed hot dog restaurant called the flying elbow which is awesome uh brian leaguer or ledger from uh, Lobus, a fellow named Daniel Abens, whom I don't know, and I I wasn't able to figure out what other bands uh, they might have been in. Uh, and then John Ike from Modern Life is War, who also is a really cool guy. Uh, anyway, yeah, that's who's in the band. Uh, I guess they would claim Marshalltown as their hometown from what I gather. This is interesting stuff. I mean, like, actually for real really interesting it's wild fun edgy heavy rock and roll i don't it, it's uh interesting arrangements and instrumentation as far as motivation or like the goal of the music it really feels to, like it's just to have a ton of energy and sort of 
get you wound up, which is somewhat rare with heavier music. I think that heavier music tries to agitate you in a lot of ways, but I don't think it a, a lot of times it like tries to like get you animated in a, in a fun way, like get you up, you know? And this kind of feels like that. The organ is super present and it definitely puts it into another realm that it wouldn't be without it. It fully separates it from just about anything that it would have sounded like without it. And that's weird to say, but yeah, the organ definitely changes all this. The vocals also are really different for the kind of music we're hearing. Um, They're really pretty heavy. Uh, They're pretty aggressive at times and they change slightly through the songs, but not enough to sound different or to sound separated or whatever, separate. And to that end, the songs change in intent and feel a lot of times and even stylistically a little bit, but it's always the same band playing the songs and you can tell that the tones don't change that much. Like the guitar tone stays pretty similar, the organ, the bass, all of that, it doesn't vary as far as the sound, but as far as the playing and the songs, it goes a lot of different places. I love all the performances. I think everyone really is holding down exactly what they're supposed to be doing. I can't imagine this without any of those elements. I mean, it would it would feel maybe lacking without each of these elements, which is, I don't know, I think is a pretty big deal that you can have something so cohesive. Everything is just kind of dirty and wild, but also very tight, uh, focused, and uh, intense overall. But again, sort of that fun level of intensity, not aggro. You know, even though it is heavy and sounds somewhat aggressive at times, I never get the sense that I'm supposed to be reacting in in an aggro way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, as far as things that it sounds like, it's hard. It's hard to find things because I I want to express how upbeat this is, but all the things I'm about to say are generally not that upbeat. Uh, unsane on some level. Uh, the toadies actually, for me, came through a lot. Uh, Motorhead and just sort of the rock and roll that they let make its way through and also the vocals. Uh, Jay Retard, uh, at times with the noisy stuff, the organs, there's even poppy elements that lend itself to that. And a band that I really like that I don't think gets a lot of attention are the Dirt Bombs from Detroit. Really noisy, uh, rock and roll influenced, like soul kind of stuff, uh, with a pretty heavy organ element. Um, and it kind of brought that to mind too. But I would say if you like, just really wild, fun, heavy music. Like, I know that's not really a thing, but if that's something that you think you would like, then you should check this out. And um, I hope that I get a chance to see them play live. And the guys I know in this band are all real great people and you should support them. So what'd you think, Dan? I uh, really enjoyed this. Now, from my perspective, what I think this is for me, was kind of a mixture of everything that I really love about punk rock. Mm -hmm. Um, And it definitely is like at times very rock and roll. 
but it's loud, it's energetic and angry, but also like you kind of said, it's upbeat as well. And I would say even hopeful at the same time when it comes to like the lyrical content, because like you were mm-hmm. saying, it's not aggro in any way whatsoever. It's just kind of trying to get you to try to get you to react to it as is like just being energetic. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. Kind of like getting you up and doing something and mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways, honestly. What it kind of did was it kind of made me, um, it really put me through like a, like a time portal to like my younger days. Like when I was touring in a hardcore band and I was coming across all these different bands, Hmm. um, this kind of really sounds like that, but also very modern at the same time. And the organ definitely makes it stand out from most things that I've heard for sure. Hmm. Yeah, it's just really fun, energetic. I think the production is killer. I think the, um, like you said, every single instrument uh, is there. It's present and it's just really loud and clear. And uh, I think that the hooks Mm. on this record are just amazing. Like, I think this is really like a really catchy and it's just, it's fantastic. I think... um, for me, a lot of the stuff it reminded me of was stuff maybe from like 1999 and on, like Refused or yeah. At the Drive-In. Mm-hmm. Um, I really heard a lot of that. I heard a lot of AFI and even a little bit of Rancid. The organ definitely adds mm-hmm. a bit of a horror punk element for me. Hmm. Yeah. Makes it kind of sound carnival-esque. Also, I would agree with you, Eric, uh, that Motorhead, would definitely be a point mm-hmm. of reference here. I would say like, it definitely has that sort of um, dirgy, I guess, like dirty sounding guitar tone sort mm-hmm. of, and the vocals too yeah. have that really right. rough sounding rough in a very good way mm-hmm. um, because it's presented amazingly here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think at its core, it's really well done punk rock. And mm-hmm. really, I mean, that's when it comes to the songs and everything, that's all it really needs to be. It's more than just punk rock. There's definitely more going on here than just that. But that's, I mean, that's what I think it it is for me. And I would say that this is one of my favorite local releases that I've that we've reviewed, hands down. I think this is amazing. Yeah. It is a lot of fun for sure. Yeah. Amazing stuff for sure. So Shake Them Bones, I highly recommend. I really hope that they, I hope this isn't just going to be like sort of a one-off. Like I really would love to hear some future stuff from these Mm -hmm. guys. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. I don't see if any shows coming up right away. So we'll just have to keep an eye out, I guess. Sure, sure. Um, Well, actually, I guess November 12th, (laughs) <laughs> at xbk live it's the display case ep release show so they'll they'll be playing that so if you can remember <laughs> all the way into november and so shake them bones are going to play that too. yep so okay yep. gotcha just remember that for about six months guys and then you, <laughs> you'll, you'll when, be able to see them just just think <laughs> cold weather cold weather cold yeah. weather Shake them bones. Oh, when you get cold. Oh, oh see what we did there. When All you right, feel let's go that back. shiver of of winter, the 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 cold finger of death touches your spine. 
and your bones shake, you'll be like, oh shit, when's that show? <laughs> that sounded really gothic, Eric. I'm really That's, gothic. That sounded like a corn chip quote. I know, right? <laughs> um, corn chips are so delicious. Dude, are you, you're serious though. That used to be called I'm corn absolutely chip. serious. And I am how, serious that you need to ask your sister about how? it. How? What? I don't get it. I don't know. We were known as corn chips. But that, that is, is true. Is, was that just an, a Muscatine, Iowa thing? I or? have no idea. And huh. um, honestly, I don't know if he, anyone will even remember unless they were called a corn chip or called someone a corn chip. It was a pretty tight circle of um, of uh, bullying. Corn chips? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, our anti-friend Chuck, I'm sure, called people corn chips. So, Oh, um, God, I got to find out about yeah. this from Chuck. So, I wonder anyway, if he remembers. Um, so It's true. <laughs> Let's go back to talking about Debbie Gibson for a second. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> I guess that Debbie Gibson sang guest vocals on a Circle Jerk song. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's weird. Like, <laughs> you know, so can you imagine being Keith Morris and being like, oh, uh, Debbie Gibson's going to sing with us? I can't imagine being Keith Morris on any <laughs> level. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. That's true. <laughs> to be simultaneously so excited and um animated as a person but so much of a drag on yeah. every level <laughs> cynical as hell man that dude yeah. is cynical oh man like yeah i you know what i always love i always love watching those punk documentaries oh because he's first, gonna like, be on them you know he's it. gonna be on them and the first five <laughs> minutes are always the same five people jello right? biafra <laughs> keith morris maybe greg ginn yeah. If they actually get him to come out of his warehouse that he yeah. lives Ian Mackay. Ian Mackay, yeah. Henry Rollins, and uh -huh. they all say the same thing. Yeah. It was so terrible. The cops used to drag <laughs> us out. Used to beat the crap out of us. Oh, boy, you just had to learn how to be a street gang. Yeah. Just out of the blue. Like, I don't know. There was like this one guy who was talking. He's like, <laughs> I walked down the road. I was 13 years old and these four grown men who were blasting fog at mm. out of their like station wagon got out and just beat the fuck out of me. A 13 year old kid. And they, these are guys in their thirties. And it was all because I had a Mohawk wow. and it's like, they really make like, it's so funny because everybody <laughs> kind of like romanticizes like right. that era of punk rock. I, I'm guilty of the same thing. I'm always like, gee, I wish I would have, seen minor threat at a warehouse, you know, like right. sort of thing or whatever, you know, but then like you hear like Henry Rollins and they're like, Oh no, you didn't want to be there. You want to be where it is now. You want, it just, it kind of makes me wonder how much of that is over exaggerated on both from both parties. Well, like, I don't know, I don't probably know. not. Uh, I'm sure that yeah. to be a punk rocker in the eighties, was a much different experience, obviously than like the nineties. Right. Forward. Yeah. I don't know. It, it has always struck me as, funny like yeah. i i now know and i've i've mentioned that i'm old a couple times in this episode now um but in case you missed it before i'm old and uh one of my old boomer takes now seriously is like doesn't it seem easier to just not have a mohawk than yeah. to get beat up all the time for having a mohawk like i just remember being a punk and being like man society doesn't get me and <laughs> yeah. everyone's always fucking with me because of my clothes and stuff and it's like well why did you do that it's not like you're born with a mohawk you don't That's have true. to <laughs> wear things that uh get you alienated and beat yeah. up 
I mean, I don't know. Like I said, now I sound like my parents. Like they, I think they said the exact same thing to me. Like, well, you yeah. don't have to dress that way. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> but I do actually, because I'm a punk. You know, you know, but that doesn't even make any sense. I don't know. I'm just telling one, you, any any of you out there that are listeners that are young people, don't fall for it. You don't have to do it. You don't have to look like everyone else. You don't. It, it's not part of music. It's yeah, really no. not. It really <laughs> so, isn't. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, yeah. I get that people will say, well, it's a statement and it's uh, unity and it's about the scene and, and you're declaring your intentions sort of without having to say anything and all that i get it and right. and i get the camaraderie and the community and i get all the reasons for wanting to fit in especially as an adolescent but to then complain about it and blame society for the way you're treated because of the way you dress that's right. kind of the distinction <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah, like, yeah I agree. Oh, you're 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 sort of um you're you're binding yourself into a situation and yeah. you're agreeing to the terms of that situation. So you yeah. can't really bitch about it. Like, you know, man, I don't know why I can't get a job. I have a bulldozer tattooed on my forehead. <laughs> like you kind of signed that agreement. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, I don't know. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Is this a personal experience? Because I need to find the guy who has a bulldozer tattooed on Actually, his I think he has it on his face. Uh, and I think he's a very kind of scary person in Muscatine and I don't know his name. And now I feel really nervous that I made fun of it. Yeah. What if he's like, I got to find these motherfuckers. I <laughs> like, think he's probably dead at this point. Yeah. Bulldozer face. Bulldozer <laughs> but, <laughs> but if not, I'm now very scared for my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, huh. Wow. Uh, maybe we should end the episode now. Yeah. Yeah, before I talk about any um, any more muscatine weirdos that potentially could kill me, <laughs> I think he was is. about uh, sixty in the nineties, so I would okay. doubt that he's he's, he's probably not alive anymore. And you know, um, if he is ninety, I can probably take him. I, I mean, I don't yeah. believe in violence, but I'll I would softly push an old man to the ground to I'll stop <laughs> to stop um, an assault. Uh, uh... If you want to contact us on Instagram and Facebook, <laughs> uh, feel free. Uh, sorry to anyone who has bulldozer tattoos on their faces. Yeah, I am sorry, bulldozer face. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, keep listening to Debbie Gibson is all I can say. Whew. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Shave those mohawks and listen to Debbie Gibson. And shake them bones. That's what I would have told Keith Morris in the 80s. <laughs> Don't have a mohawk and shake them bones. Yep. Yeah. Hey, that's good. There you go. Don't have a mohawk and shake them bones. That's our advice today. <laughs> All right. Y'all have a good day, week, <laughs> night, whatever it is. Uh, All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Bulldozer face. I only listen to shitty bands no one likes.